our program here on a Friday that we uh, are are kind of making it a little bit lighter, having a little bit more fun. And so, of course, we invited our artists with us. We have Patrick Fisher. He is the executive director of Erie Arts and Culture. Welcome back, Patrick. Thank you for having me. And Thomas Ferraro. He is on the board of Erie Arts and Culture and is a public artist. Thank you, Tom, for coming by. Great to be here. All right. So we, we have some time. So in uh, we have a very sophisticated audience, and so we want to, uh, you know, we want to kind of share uh, all about uh, the concepts, the mission, the the passion behind public art, and and uh, maybe a little bit of background. I, I mean, we, we can experience, you know, share some of the things that we remember, uh, even as growing up here in Erie, uh, what was considered public art. But we're a family show, so uh, we heard Patrick's story. Uh, uh, when he was first here, but how, Tom, did, did you grow up here in Erie or are you transplanted? No, I, I did grow up here. Okay. So yeah, I was born and raised, uh, left for a while to college. I sure. went to Miami, in Miami University. Where'd you go to Miami. high school here? I went to Fairview. Okay. You're a tiger. I'm a tiger. Yes, <laughs> I am. Yes, I am. And then uh, after college, I spent several years in New York City and then back to Erie. That's, that's fantastic. So, um, what did you do in New York? Were you, were you kind of getting your arts uh, uh, legs I, under you there? I, I did, and I was I was trained as a as a painter. Okay. So um, you know, I just thought New York was a place to be. Sure. So I went there and did you know just about everything under the sun to make a living, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know did my artwork. Is that still kind of the case? Where I mean, like if you're in music. Uh, if you really want to try to make it go, you got to go to Nashville. You got to go to L.A., uh, maybe San Francisco or some some other, you know, Muscle Shoals or whatever. Is there a similar kind of thing for painters or for sculptors or so on? I think it really depends on what your aspirations are. And, you know, the, the blue chip galleries are, you know, in New York and L.A. and yeah. the bigger cities in the world. But uh, as I found out, there are probably more opportunities for the arts in smaller, mid-sized cities. Wow! And uh, you know, we were we were talking before you guys came on about the the richness of the resources we have here in Erie. And and, and Patrick, you be kind, you, you know, uh, being close here, but uh, kind of new to your job, uh, you would confirm that maybe in the other places that you've gone. Um, are, are they are, are they in a richer situation than us, or for our for our weight class, if you will, in Erie, PA, we do pretty well with arts. Absolutely, I think that for our population size, we have way more assets than a community of a similar population size would have. Building upon your last question to Tom, though, I think that in addition to what Tom said. Uh, we're also seeing now with uh, digital media and individuals being able to connect out to a very broad audience very rapidly and very easily, you're seeing artists reassess, do I need to be in the city where the major markets are? Yeah. Uh, a great example of that is I was looking through Instagram last week and I saw that a uh, tr- actual traditional book bindery relocated to Erie recently from Seattle, Washington. And I was talking to the Chamber of Commerce this morning about that. And they said, well, what, why, why would they move to Erie from Seattle? Uh, we have an abundance of space here. Our cost of living is low here. Uh, we have great infrastructure as far as I-79, I-90, uh, an international airport. So they can work here so long as they have the marketing networks to be able to promote their work 
out to the rest of the world. Um, so I do think that as as property values and costs of living go up in markets like Portland, Austin, yeah. Nashville, you will see more people considering cities like Erie, Pennsylvania. And, and they're bringing their, just like Tom brought his his painting and, and ability to back home, I would say if you're a bookbinder, that's a pretty specialized uh, function, a pretty specialized craft. Um, you could bring that anywhere. And so if, if you can find the resources and, of course, the, the marketing part is uh, ubiquitous, it's everywhere, uh, you could probably make a go of it. And, of course, we used to, I mean, you go a million years ago, you go 100 years ago, we, we did have binderies here. We we did uh, publish books here in Erie. So it's part of our heritage and it's kind of coming back. And I think if you look at like the project that Tom worked on, Fruits of Labor, up on uh, Holland Street, Try to find a studio space or a warehouse space in one of the large markets like New York City Mm -hmm. that give you the room to actually do that scale of work, and you are going to be paying an exorbitant amount of money. Sure. Uh, But here, that space is is available. It's accessible. It's affordable uh, to a degree that it's not in other markets. All right. So let's let's get a little uh, since since we have some uh, uh, um, uh, some you know memory uh, about how public arc has, has kind of uh, uh, gone through the ages, through the generations here. One of the things I remember as a kid is when the big sculpture that's in front of the art museum uh, was part of, was it, it was revealed at an old arts festival. I don't know if you remember that, Tom, but, uh, and I'm, try, I'm trying to remember what its name is, uh, the, the crouched over fella uh, right in front of the museum. Could you, who is, what is that exhibit? Uh, what is that the piece of work there? Well, the artist is John Silk Deckard. Um, right. The name of the piece is slipping my mind. Me, right yeah, now. me too. Do you, uh, you, you're the one on stage. I know the piece, but yeah. I don't know the backstory. Uh, anyway, it, it, I remember it, it had to be in the 70s that that was revealed. I, I believe so, art, and, I, and I, I was not in town at okay. that time. I was a kid, it was, and I remember yeah, it was a big I think deal. I was in college at the yeah. time, so... Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so. I mean, you, you know, even you know, even back then, you, you say, you know, here's a piece of public art. You know, it's it's been displayed outside for its entire life st- cycle so far, and it's kind of kind of one of those ways that we got acclimated to public art, right? Yeah, I remember my first introduction to public art was uh, a project by Allegheny College. Growing up in um, Cochranton, Pennsylvania, uh, seeing what they did in Meadville with the recycled. Uh, road signs. Yes. Uh, and that project grew year after year. They kept expanding the footprint of that project. Now, who was the impetus? Was, was that PennDOT uh, uh, going to Allegheny or vice versa? I suspect it was Allegheny. It's a, There was a professor out of Allegheny that was kind okay. of the lead on that project and it, continues to be. Is that kind of how it works? Is that uh, you have artists with vision? Typically, the artist takes the lead with vision and then tries to find stakeholders that would have an interest in the project that that's yeah. really how the uh fruits of labor project the art it, we it's actually the art and industry project mm-hmm. yeah. uh, surface it was the idea that we are you know our our heritage is as a a rust belt city industrial um base and we wanted to kind of celebrate that heritage and the idea just kind of grew from there Wow. And uh, we actually did three pieces w- for that uh, project that all 
were done with students at Erie County Technical School. Is that so? So they were kind of doing the heavy lifting of the welding. They did the heavy so. lifting. They provided the facility. Uh, they provided the students. We we mm-hmm. actually went in with a clean sheet of paper, <laughs> and we got kids from seven or eight different disciplines in one room, and we gave them a little bit of history about. You know, not just Erie, but mm-hmm. how society went from an agricultural to an industrial society. We showed them some images of paintings that all of a sudden you started to see railroad trains and smokestacks mm-hmm. and gave them a little art, art history lesson and then kind of rolled it into where we're at here in our community. They actually started putting just from to some exercises I worked with uh uh, actually, myself and one other artist who I work with on pretty much all of our public art projects, Ed Grout, uh, Ed and I were teaching artists with Erie Arts and Culture, and that's kind of how we got together to start doing this. That particular project, we actually brought in two other artists uh, that had expertise in certain areas that we did not. Mm-hmm. So um, working between them and the students, uh, we put those designs and were able to fabricate those pieces. And we had the help of about a dozen manufacturers in the community. Wow. Wow. And, and again, you said it's three pieces. The one we had talked about is the uh, the horse that's on uh, uh, in front of Level Place. The horse in front of Level Place. It's a horse pulling a globe. And that was really kind of our labor statement. Mm-hmm. And the horse is made out of all uh, found parts that were in various manufacturers dumpsters and <laughs> on their manufacturing floor yeah uh, we brought in Ron Bayusik who's a local sculptor to work with the students in the welding shop to actually fabricate the horse uh, we brought in another artist Kathy Umloff who is uh, she does a lot of animal sculpture so she knew okay. horse anatomy we wanted to make sure we were building a workhorse and you know not a yeah a mule or a, <laughs> right. or, or a racehorse <laughs> exactly a, right and uh so kathy helped us with Clydesdale. that yeah. and um so that was that was the one piece uh right the other two one is located over on east side on uh on east 12th over by the softball fields there's a mural okay out there that is um uh called setting a stage for erie's future and it's on the Playhouse, Erie Playhouse's rehearsal and uh, uh, prop shop building. Shady, have you seen this piece of art? Because uh, Shady does a lot of Playhouse. Okay. Um, yeah. I probably have, but I didn't realize that was what I was looking at. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. So I've been in the rehearsal hall many, many times. Okay. But. Yeah. It's, uh, it faces the softball fields and it, um, it's kind of an image of... Oh, on the side of the building. On the side of the oh, building. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yep, yep. I have seen that. And, and what's, what is that, uh, what's that look like? What's, the, it's, what's uh, the image? The image is of Erie, both old and new. So it has some large gears uh, that represent the manufacturing sector. There's images in there like our Bicentennial Tower mm-hmm. and the Convention Center. But there's also, instead of the library, there's the old grain elevator that used to be... Uh, you know, lower uh, Holland, I guess it would be. Right. 
So we have a little bit of old and new in the background of that particular piece. And then in the foreground is a stage, uh, since it was the part of the theater, <laughs> and uh, two people that are dancing on, on the stage. Oh, neat. And then on the west side, uh, is that the one that's the, by Green Garden Yes, there? it is, on okay. 12th and Green Garden. That was the last piece that um, we did for that project. And that one is... Um, uh, was was done a little differently because by the time we had got to that one, we kind of had leftover metal from the the horse and globe, and mm -hmm. we uh, we we were struggling a little bit with time and budget to to get that one completed, and uh, all of a sudden we had a, uh, a somebody in the community that was actually from McGinnis Rolled Rings. Uh, had we had a had a conversation at an event at the art museum and i mentioned that we had this one more piece to do he was very interested in in uh being a part of it asked if we could come to the plant and look and see what they did and when we saw these magnificent rings that wow. they make yeah. uh we said well do you have a scrap that maybe we could <laughs> we could take from you sure and he not only uh did not give us a scrap he actually fabricated uh, he asked us to put a design together, uh, give him some sizes, and he ended up making, uh, they made us 11 rings exactly. for that particular piece. So, it What do you came, call that piece? Uh, that one is, um, let's so, see. Uh, put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I'll think of it. Give me a second. Yeah, absolutely. I'll think. Hey, we're talking about public art. We have with us Patrick Fisher. He's the executive director of Erie Arts and Culture. And Tom Ferraro. He's a board member and a public artist. Put those amazing uh, uh, recent pieces of public art uh, throughout our community. And again, uh, um, you know, there is art everywhere. And we're going to talk about that when we come back from our break. When the average Joe thinks about public art, right? Sometimes they think about, um, you know, the, the, the fish or the frogs, those public art projects that we had earlier in the 2000s. But what they don't realize is that we've had public art for basically for all of civilization, right? I mean, I mean really, when you think about um, when we would go to the train station at Union Station and we see those big, beautiful... Uh, you, you know, uh, ar the architecture and the paintings and the, I mean, that's all designed to inspire and encourage and, and kind of tell a similar story than what, as what you were are telling uh, Tom with uh, your new art pieces, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all over the world, there's public art every, yeah. everywhere you go. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, what we're, what we're talking about today though, is kind of this idea of making it, intentionally accessible uh, because people think that the uh, art is for the rich, you know, and, and, and basically you fight that, that battle every day. Don't you, Patrick? I would say we fight the battle that we try to make art as accessible as possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So let's, let's talk about, um, you know, I want, I want you to finish uh, the story of the, these pieces, Tom, uh, that last piece uh, you uh, that you use the, the rolled rings for what's it called again? Yeah. Oh, oh! I, I wrote it down. Right, so, you wrote it down. Um, yeah. uh, the path of the innovation. path of innovation. Yes. The path of innovation. The path of innovation. And, and that concept kind of came from the idea that so many of these uh, of our manufacturers, uh, their businesses really started with 
uh, a father or a grandfather or a great-grandfather in their garage or in their basement Mm -hmm. with an idea. And that Mm -hmm. idea sort of bubbles up to become what um, they are today. And and so you really don't have to, like, really scratch your head and and reach deep to get the meaning from this. The the, the meaning rises right to the top when you look at these pieces of art, don't they? They they do. They they definitely do. I mean, you know, and and, uh, I would imagine it's fun for families to go and check out the horse on 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 the on 12th street uh in you know uh and 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 seeing how the intricacy of all all of that i mean i mean it is is it is supposed to be educational and inspirational correct yeah i think one of the great things about public art is when you get a piece that people can understand the material but it's used in a context that might be new to them so if you look at the horse in the globe when you look at individuals that comprise our population and, and the fact that we are uh, a manufacturing city or historically have been, you can get individuals that have worked on shop floors their entire life yeah. standing in front of this piece and they can understand the individual components. Oh, I worked with that tool. Oh, I made that piece. So now you're challenging um, normal materials being used in a way that is a bit abnormal, I guess you could say. And I think that that's always really rewarding to see. Isn't it interesting too? I, I mean, uh, with with the fire uh, in Paris at the at the Cathedral Notre Dame, they the the story came out that uh, all of the individual sculptures and the and the the different uh, yeah, just how it was all laid out was designed to tell stories to illiterate people. Again, public art used. 850 years ago that well in that case in france uh the 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 gospel story was told through these figurines they they couldn't use words because the 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 people didn't understand the words so they were able to look at the at at notre dame and 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 understand a story And, and i think that that is one of the biggest shifts of what we see today in public art as opposed to how things were done in the past in the past we we use public art sort of to memorialize and educate the public. Today, we really look at it as trying to see what the what a community is about, and and have the community tell the story of what they want their art to be in in their neighborhoods. That's interesting. Say. So it's a very different approach. It, it's not. It, it is really kind of coming up from the masses as opposed to a top down storytelling yes i mean it's really everybody has a story and that's really what uh a a community-based public art and not just that the artists do hear their story and do the work but the people in the community actually have their hand in the work Mm -hmm. as well and and how does and how does that work i mean uh uh when you when you guys approached the the horse and the globe um were did you talk to you know, manufacturers, retirees and things like how did did that come into play there? We talked to again at least a dozen manufacturers. Yeah. Um we heard their stories, their histories. We talked to people on shop floors, uh people that were actually making that part for a very different purpose. Uh so so yeah we you, It was that specific. That that specific. Incredible. Incredible. Hey, we're, we're talking to uh, uh, Patrick Fisher, 
Thomas Ferraro. We're talking about public art. And um, uh, I have like a minute before we go to break. Um, talk about the those uh, big public art projects like the the fish and the frogs. That was kind of a fun way to just kind of get people uh, pepped up and excited about about art. Uh, do you find uh, is that necessary, or is that are we in a different time now? Are these just seasons that we go through as think, a community? I think those projects served the community in the era in which they were introduced. Yeah. Um, you saw them in cities across the U.S. Is that right? And it was a really great way to get local businesses to buy into. Uh, improving visual landscapes and and a lot of them served as as wayfinding so they were actually used as uh, more or less beacons to communicate you have arrived somewhere um, so you'd see them outside of a lot of tourist destinations or frequently visited um, spaces we're talking about public art we're talking about accessibility and appreciation from all parts of our community for what our artists are doing and and again it's a it's a pretty broad subject but uh we're excited about um uh the re the assets and the resources that we have here in erie to enjoy uh this artwork and we have with us patrick fisher he's the executive director of erie arts and culture and thomas ferraro the uh he's on the board of erie arts and culture and a public artist and uh i want to kind of uh jump in uh, before we go into the the new horizons initiative we were talking off mic about you know um you know accessibility at the school level for our kids because again if you you've got to get um you've got to kind of model it for children this this opportunity for art whether it is their vocation or advocation you know you know uh, uh, there's a lot of folks that they're they're welders but they're artists or they're or they're you know uh, the, the graphic designers and they're in they they're doing their art in their in their jobs. Uh, um, how how do you how do you do that outreach, Patrick? You know. Yeah, so for one, uh, we have a partnership with the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts, which funds art and education initiatives, particularly artist residencies, which Tom is one of our teaching artist residencies. And with that, we really focus on arts integration over just arts enhancement. So when we say arts integration, how are you teaching core curriculum subjects and reinforcing those subjects using arts-based skill sets? So maybe you'll see a visual artist like Tom teaching history or civics. Maybe you'll see a musician teaching... Uh, concepts of mathematics. Uh, so with that, a lot of times the students that are sometimes the most uh, difficult to reach, uh, often because it's hands-on, it's participatory, it's outside of just like sitting in a desk and, and focusing on a teacher for 45 minutes, you see them engaged in a way that they've never been engaged before. Uh, and I think that you find that the learning outcomes are enhanced. Uh, mm -hmm. Tom, I'd love to have you kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, sure. Well, just to, I'll give you a quick example. We were just in Strong Vincent in middle school, um, Erie Arts and Culture has a program for uh, through uh, the NAP uh, uh, grant program uh, where we do uh, residencies in every uh, middle school in the city, every public school in the city. So uh, I was in Strong Vincent, me and uh, Ed Grout, we worked with the entire sixth grade. We worked with a science class. And they were, their curriculum, they were studying earth and space science. So we did, we did a mural in the school that was based on what they were learning in their earth and space uh, uh, science classes. So um, again, all the students, uh, 
sort of we kind of broke them up by planet and they all became okay. experts in their planet that's uh, all the, there were probably 215 students were a part of that project we had them all design a rocket that would be kind of personalized we showed them kind of how uh, some of the rocket technology and how they might be you know how you might design one uh, just uh, visually mm. uh, we talked about things like you know SpaceX some of the things that are coming out today and the difference in those rockets and you know kind of the old school type that you know were around when I was a kid yeah and um, uh, and we create visuals around that and ended up with a mural in the in the halls of the school when you when you were coming up as an artist did you ever think that it would turn into an educational bent uh, uh, in your career? Actually, I really never did. Um, yeah. And it really started with my association with Erie Arts and Culture, with their teaching art program. And I kind of was fortunate to be a part of a, an initiative um, where, we, where the artists, it, it shifted a little bit about 10 years ago. So instead of an artist going in and just doing their craft in a school, we actually became schooled in core curriculum where we integrate the arts into uh, subject matter. Yeah. And, it, and it really creates a lot more relevance to not just the students, but also the faculty where they see that, oh, this isn't just an art and craft project this isn't is, just taking time from my pssa prep exactly, exactly. oh wow the uh what occurs to me too is just this concept of different learning styles and so you're just you're you're opening uh the the curriculum up to those folks that are just so much more visually uh oriented uh definitely uh you know being a father of three and seeing that you know they all ate the same food and drank the same water, yet they're all very different learners. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one of my children are much more visual with their learning. And, uh, and I think that sometimes, you know, uh, a traditional, um, traditional curriculum could, could lose a few kids along the way. Yeah. How, how does this get paid for Patrick? The, uh, I mean, when you, uh, again, we, we, we talk a lot about Erie School Districts just on their way back. Are you able to provide uh, these, uh, uh, these uh, teachers, these artists in residency um, free to the district? And, and you're coming up with the grants and things? So what the uh, desired investment would be is, is we would fund half of the residency and then the host site funds the other half that way there is a committed buy-in from the host site as well but if the host site can't afford that then we do look for other grant funding um, or funding from our endowment uh, but the funding that we receive to um, cover our half of it comes from the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts and our partnership okay. with them so through our partnership with them we administer the arts and education program in six counties uh, in Northwest Pennsylvania it, it, it's amazing to me that uh it's not just cut and dry, you know, the kinds of benefits that these children are getting from all of the different uh, folks that are making investments, whether it is uh, arts and culture or, or it's the United Way and the community schools. I mean, you think about everything that, that these kids are uh, having access to, you know, the, the, the work that the nonprofits are doing, 
uh, whether you know whether it is the Multicultural Resource Center, and so, I mean everybody's trying to support these children in our communities. Twelve thousand kids in the Erie District, and of course all the other districts uh, uh, in in Erie County. And pretty exciting. And one of the residencies that I think is very uh, relevant to this topic would be one that occurred a few years ago in a non traditional learning space. That being George Jr. George Jr. is a court appointed. Uh, uh, facility for young men. Uh, and with that, Ron Bayusik, who's a sculptor and a welder, uh, served his residency alongside the technical welding instructor down there. And he actually worked with the kids to uh, design and create pieces of public art, large scale sculptures, that if you drive through Grove City, you'll see some of wow. those pieces. But here in Erie, you see one of those pieces outside of um, the Barber National Institute. Um, they they purchased one of the pieces made. The great thing about uh, that process too is you always have this culminating event afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it serves as this moment of reflection of, of what did we learn and what did we gain through this experience? So in that situation with George Jr., to have these kids uh, who have who have been living with trauma, who have made some some wrong choices, to see them give back to the community in a positive way, uh, and it's my understanding that when they did the uh, culminating event and the dedication ceremony, they had participants there, but they also had the judge that sentenced the child, wow. they had the parole officer, they had the parents there, and they could all see how this child was transformed through this process. And to me. You can't measure that. That's that's invaluable. Um, but that is that is a way that the arts are serving in personal development with our youth. Tom, share some of the maybe some of the experiences you had uh, at, at, at in all of your travels in the schools. I, I mean, as far as reaction, I, I, mean, I mean, you're having fun. I would, I would bet. Well, um, you know, reaction is is always uh, always exciting when you get to the end and students actually see what it is that they accomplished Mm -hmm. and and it's a uh, it's a process that's that takes shape slowly it gives them a it gives them the mindset that you know we don't always have this immediate gratification when we do something that it takes time and it takes thought to really and and layering Mm -hmm. of thought to really come up with something that has meaning and that's probably the most exciting part of it is when you reach a point in that project where the kids start to see it coming together yeah. and they realize that they're really on to something that, uh, that's really uh, beyond, the, the, beyond their expectations. Right. I, 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 I just it, it's encouraging me. It makes me smile because not again, not only are we learning these, you know, these skills in a different way, but. We, we're enhancing beauty, you know, beauty that's uh, usually defined by, you know, what's on a video game on Nintendo Switch or, or you know, or, you know, the, the latest uh, Marvel movie. They, they get their worlds expanded. It's exciting. With the project, too, that you worked on with the youth um, at Palace um, on Ninth and State, Think about those 200 plus kids that participated in that. What is the emotional bond and connection they now have with Erie where if they are traveling down State Street, they can look at that large scale mural and say, Mm -hmm. I helped make that, you know? So anytime somebody speaks ill of downtown or Erie, you now have this person that's invested in a unique way that can serve as a champion and advocate because they've literally helped create beauty in our city. 
Fantastic. We're talking to uh, our friends in public art. It is uh, a quarter to five o'clock, 445. I, we need to pivot because one of our main uh, conversation uh, pieces here is this New Horizons initiative. Uh, uh, really, the, the Erie Community Foundation, the funders have made a big bet on this uh, as far as it being a, a pretty substantial investment in making this happen. Explain what you New Horizons is and what you're attempting to do, Patrick. So New Horizons makes concentrated investments in a few neighborhoods that historically have been under-resourced. 16501, 16502, 16503, and 16507. Through this initiative, we look to empower the residents, the merchants, um, the artists of the community to actually participate actively in shaping either the social or built environment of the neighborhood in which they live. So it's a little bit broader than just public art because it's really looking at placemaking as a whole whole um so some of the can you identify when you say placemaking just to the average person what do you what do you what do you mean by that so what i mean by that is an inclusive process where you are actually garnering input from the community and you're asking them a define the challenges issues or other things uh, about your community that you want to address and b what do potential uh solutions look like and how do we resource you to be a part of those solutions so a lot of tom's process is is very much rooted in that that belief of placemaking it's really looking to reinforce emotional bonds between people and place, activate uh, public areas, and really enhance them through uh, either uh, built activities, social activities, etc. I was going to say, who, who are the stakeholders in when you're, when you're, when you're intense, uh, intentionally making a place? I mean, uh, are we talking about the neighborhood watch? Are we talking about uh, neighbors? Uh, you know, uh, are you talking about public officials? Uh, who gets who gets to be involved? All of the above. Okay, All sweet. Of the above. Yeah. Um, most I love of those the, questions. Yeah, most of the projects that I've been involved in have been uh, neighborhood watch groups, uh, community centers in neighborhoods like MLK Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just finishing up a project with JFK Center, House of Mercy over on the east side, uh, UECDC. Uh, one of the first ones that we did were over on. Uh, on the east side between, it was the Snoops Neighborhood Network, which is uh, kind of east 12th to 15th to the tracks yeah. from Parade to uh, the Bayfront Parkway. And they brought us in to do a project. The, the neighborhood was transitioning. It, went for, it was going from uh, a historically Polish neighborhood and... Um, and there were still families that had been there for generations, but a lot of new Americans were also settling into that neighborhood. So when they brought us in, they wanted us to do something that would talk about um, welcoming those folks into that neighborhood. So that's how that project got wow. its legs and, uh, and funding. And um, we ended up doing four pieces that are in the neighborhood that all represent different groups that are in the neighborhood. Kind of, uh, so are they murals? Or are they? They're uh, all murals. They're all murals. Imagery are um, people that are dancing, maybe in their traditional mm-hmm. um, uh, wardrobes, and oh. um, with with flags from their native countries, kind of in the background. Wow, that, that's that's exciting. So so um, we're making places. We're bringing the art 
to the neighborhoods. Yeah, so we're, we're trying to increase the accessibility, uh, but more importantly, we're using art as a vehicle to address community needs, okay. right? We are asking the community, tell us what are the issues that make you anxious? What excites you? Um, what are you afraid of? Uh, what do you feel are some of the challenges that your community needs to address in order to move to that next level? And then what do the cultural activities or disciplines look like that we can use to directly address those and, and perhaps bring some solutions to the table? So uh, how is it, uh, we, we made some art and snoops. How is this playing out in some of these? these uh, because I remember the last gallery night, I remember Tiffany, uh, Tiffany uh, Colazzo, uh, talking about, um, you know, there was going to be some kind of a light, uh, a use of light and, and LED lights or something like that uh, uh, so for we, that particular event. Or... So we used projection. Projection. Um, so we okay. have a grant from Erie Insurance to do a projection-based project. With that, we contracted with Menagerie Studios, a female-owned film production company here. Uh, we went out and we recorded people's personal stories. Tell us about your lived experiences here in Erie. We went to places that typically individuals are not asked. Um, so we went to the Erie City Mission. We went to the Trinity Center, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, and we collected these stories. We ended up having about a 16-minute video that we projected into the public space downtown. We had a portable PA system. And people stopped on a very cold night, and they watched all 16 minutes of it. And they heard members of their community talk about you know, their lived experiences in here. What What is uniquely eerie for them? Uh, we also had had a question that we asked people as they stopped to engage with us, which was, I imagine an eerie in which dot, dot, dot. Yeah. We want folks to elaborate on what, as we go through this renaissance as a city, what is it that you hope for collectively for the city? Uh, we were going to do it tonight as well, but unfortunately with the rain out there, yeah. we can't do it. Um, but the next time we do it, we're going to pick a different public space. Um, it's not always going to be downtown. It's going to be in those zip codes that we're focused on. We have another round of videos that we're going to be recording, so you'll see all new interviews projected. And the next time we get out there, we're just going to ask the question, to make Erie more fun, I would, dot, dot, dot. I have to say that it's really kind of stretching my, uh, my notion of arts and culture, it, what you're describing. That's the intent. Okay, so help me out here. I, maybe, I'm a, uh, maybe I'm a dinosaur, but the, you, know, I don't, I, I, you know, the things that you're talking about, that kind of that kind of human resources community. I don't think of the arts ha having so much of a role in that. You, you think of that being, you know, GCAC, or you think of that being one of the social service agencies. That's your whole point, isn't it? So the arts historically served as a mirror to society, right? They were either to reflect things about yourself and ideas that you wanted to explore or things about community. Um, artists served as the megaphone and advocate for the community need. Uh, and what we're trying to do is build the capacity of our artists in our community to serve in meaningful ways, the same way that Tom and Ed do in all of their projects. We have a tremendous amount of talent in this region that uh, I think it's very easy in the modern economy to be focused on, on product development as opposed to process development. It's really easy to focus on output as opposed to outcomes. Uh, so with New Horizons, we're looking at making investments not only in our community, but in our artists to actually serve as civic leaders uh, and again, address the needs of the community and help help provide solutions. When you hear this, Tom, did that, did that was that paradigm shifting for you or were you a true believer from the get-go? I've really been a believer 
since I got out of college. Yeah. Uh, in my time in New York, I, I, I spent some time in the Soho area and I saw how art and artists really transformed an area that was, you know, pretty decrepit prior wow. to, prior to, you know, my time there. So I've seen the impact in my lifetime and, um, I've seen it in Philadelphia. I had a daughter that went to Temple. I got involved just um, researching their mural arts program. They have about 4,000 murals in Philadelphia. (laughs) And, you know, that's kind of the, you know, why can't that happen here in Erie? And and, and you see the, the impact on communities with it. Well, and, and and if I, you know, if I'm in the arts world and know that somebody is going going to rely on me or, uh, you know, it broaden my horizons a bit, you know, whether it's the the filmmaker at Menagerie or or the, you know, the the physical, the visual artists like Tom, um, that's pretty that's pretty exciting stuff. It's it's just it's just a paradigm shift, wouldn't you say? I mean, you're kind of bringing that to to our community, or 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 has this always been this way? It just I'm I'm a luddite. I would say that it's always existed to some degree. Yeah. Um, but how accessible it's been in every community okay. is always a question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a really great example of this type of of project and work is Lily Yi. She is a artist that was born in China, moved to Philadelphia in the 1970s, and started doing mosaic projects in the Philadelphia Badlands. Uh, she's we're going to be bringing her to Erie in June to lead some workshops with artists in our community and actually do some walkthroughs in the neighborhoods to identify sites that would be good for projects. But she does not refer to herself as a public artist. She refers to herself as an urban alchemist because she says that the art part of what she does is only about 20% of the, of the major impact. Mm-hmm. The other 80% is that transformation that occurs in the people that participate in the project and the community itself. Uh, so for her, she, she understands the value of the art, but she puts a bigger emphasis on how it impacts the community and the people. Wow. Uh, I have like a, a minute left. I, I have to ask how this is being received in some of these areas where, you know, they're not used to the artists coming around. So the, the focus we're on right now is building trust. Okay. Right, we cannot yeah. come into the community and say we have the solutions for you. We're here to we're save you. We're swooping in. Right, we need to say, okay, we have some resources. What would you like to see us do with these resources? So it's it's been all about trust building right now. How do we establish uh, deep connections and roots with the organizations that have been present and serving these communities for a long time? And then once we reinforce those relationships, how can they serve as an in, uh, introductor to us and the community directly so that they can then start to build trust with us? Uh, so we haven't done any major investments yet other than time and, and energy yeah. because right now we're just really focused on trust building. Well, and it, and it occurs to me that, you know, um, that we have had, uh, you know, artists in these urban areas doing their thing. Um, and, and now they, now they just kind of need a chance to have the rest of the community see their activity to see their, 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 their work. Right. I mean, uh, very true. And, and I just want to add that, you know, this isn't just the visual arts that we're talking right. about, that, you know, there, there's, there's dance and movement and yeah. spoken word and all these things are happening 
in these areas and we just need to pull out the 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 you know the relevance and and get the people to start to share their stories and you know we feel that it's important work uh, we're having this uh, nice extended conversation about public art and and uh, I'm just thinking about you know as a kid roaming around town looking at the diff- you know the library the old public library um was kind of for for the average uh, kid from Little Italy, that was kind of our whole encounter with art, right? Are you familiar with what public uh, libraries had as far as art lending programs back in the day? I I remember I do remember that you could go and check out uh, a painting, right? Masterpieces in some cases. <laughs> Is <Yeah>. that right? <laughs> Yeah. Did you ever do that at your house, Tom? I, no, we never did that. At my house. <laughs> no, I was I was afraid to touch him, you know, uh, Patrick. But uh, but I remember, you know, the 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 corral of people like leafing through there. And there were some substantial artists. When I say masterpieces, I wasn't uh, exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. If you watch Antiques Roadshow, ever it's always <laughs> funny when they uh, have a piece on there and they say, "Oh, how did you acquire this?" And they'll say, "Oh, we purchased it from the library when they got rid of their art lending program." Wow. And then it's a piece that's appraised for like. Thirty thousand or sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> well, and, and again, we had the Hassam just sitting on the wall, right. uh, in, in, on the second floor of the old public library. Right? You know, no, no, uh, no protection to it uh, or anything. And again, we, we are so we were, we were talking off Mike how how we've benefited from investments in uh, uh, generosity and philanthropy from uh, many years ago, and we benefit from that today. But uh, you think about the. The original uh, Erie Art Museum was the Arts Club and just a, a bunch of ladies who, who were acquiring pieces in New York. And uh, that uh, chi- was it Child Hassam. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was the that was the big purchase back uh, over 100 years ago, I want to say now. But uh, now and now we get to appreciate that. But, but this is beyond. I mean, this is this is this is way beyond this because we're talking about this accessibility piece and this special new program that Erie Arts and Culture uh, is doing. It's called New Horizons Initiative to bring art and to kind of facilitate really placemaking uh, in neighborhoods where it really hasn't been uh, part of uh, the uh, part of the fiber. You know, it's it's it, we're in, and I think what's hugely important, Patrick, and we're talking to Patrick Fisher and Thomas Ferraro, talk about you know, um, in empowering those, those artists that are in resonance, if you will, from these neighborhoods. Yeah. So one of the things that we still need to do is, is better identify and mobilize the resources of the community, right? Every community has their assets. Some of those assets are the built environment, but a lot of it is actually the human capital that lives within it. So who are our artists in these communities? Uh, who are, individuals that are working in fiber, that are working with food, that are um, working in clay or stoneware, that are visual artists, that are dancers, singers, musicians, any number of things. Uh, Within the zip codes that we're specifically focused on too, knowing that not all of them are going to be white European-centric individuals, right? right? We have a lot of talent in these communities that are from uh, other 
communities that have moved here as part of the new American population? And how do we help them preserve their culture and their heritage and their tradition by making a space in our communities for their arts and culture as well? Uh, so we are working right now. We, um, we've formed a, a guild called Chroma, which will meet monthly. And the intent is to build a network um, of artists and individuals involved in the cultural sector um, that do represent different ethnicities so that we can actually um, create a pipeline within the cultural sector um, for those individuals in our community that are incredibly talented that might not know how to pursue an opportunity. Do you anticipate places, um, you know, as part of the, the fabric where you would see exhibits, maybe pop-up exhibits or... Uh, I mean, how do you, how do you, how, I mean, are, are we going to use some of these festivals that are, that happen in these neighborhoods to kind of exemplify this, especially visual art and some of the performing arts? Uh, it's, it certainly can, but it doesn't have to. Okay. Um, I think that, uh, how can we supplement and enhance what's already occurring? Yeah. Um, I'm like, so, where are the galleries on the east side? I guess is the question I have. You know? So the question is, is the gallery even the right location? Right? Okay. Would somebody feel comfortable stepping into something if it was marketed as a gallery? But what if it was a laundromat? What if wow. it was a gas station, <laughs> right? Why does art have to be constrained to just a gallery? So how can we look at where is everybody already congregating? Where are the places that people go? And then how can we make sure that we are infusing cultural experiences into that to exceed expectations for what you might find there? I would imagine, Tom, when, you, when, you, when you're in the schools, the schools are a central part of all of these neighborhoods. and That might be a... They are. I mean, there, there's there's definitely points of contact. Schools mm -hmm. would be would be one of them. Um, but I think that what we're looking to do with New Horizons is to expand that into other uh, networks within neighborhoods. Um, and as you know, Patrick identified, you know, a few of them. It could be a laundromat. Yeah. It's it's really looking at non traditional kind of spaces, uh, both physical in terms of a building, but also it could be an alley. It could be, um, you know, just a vacant lot. Uh, it just, it could be an activation that takes place in an afternoon, or it could be something that takes place over a period of time. Uh, but it's, but it's some point of contact that resonates with the people in that, in that neighborhood. What, what about that naysayer? And again, we, we try to keep a positive, but I, I will, uh, but I could just hear the the social media crying out. Oh, we've got we got to have better family sustaining jobs, and you know, and we need to clean up our our our, our streets and and fix our potholes. Why why are we worrying about art? I have a great response to that. So Thank Peter you. Kagayama just came to Erie last week. We brought him here through the New Horizons initiative, and his response was, "A person will never fall in love with a city because you fill a pothole." They simply will not. That's what's expected. How do you go above what is expected? How do you actually grip people emotionally to make them say, I love this place? So think about all of the great places that you've ever been to. Chances are you didn't go there and go, wow, I really loved Austin, Texas. They were so efficient at filling their potholes, <laughs> right? It just doesn't happen. Right. It is the visual landscape. It's the culinary scene. It's how people treat one another. These are the things that connect you emotionally 
to a space, whether you live there as a resident or you're visiting there. So for those naysayers, I say, yes, it very much is important that we fill potholes, that we have properly working sewers, that we have family sustaining jobs. But how do we get people to truly invest emotionally in where they live? And, and it's got to be through enhancements of, of public space. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's our communities uh, and it's our, uh, our neighborhoods. It is walking outside and feeling, gosh, I am glad I live here. Do you think that the arts community has, uh, needs to speak out more when it comes to some of these public policy things? You know, I think about um, you know, uh, what's trying to happen downtown. And, you know, you know, right now it's in the hands of pretty much landowners. Right. Um, but uh, in order to really make, for example, an entertainment district, maybe we don't need the beer package store right across the street from the the Warner Theater that you just saw this beautiful, you know, orchestral piece or, or theater piece. And then you walk out and, and you don't see anything that resembles an entertainment district or a and I mean, I, I don't want to be—I don't want to be uh, smug about it, but it's like, uh, shouldn't our artists, shouldn't our people, their our uh, uh, our regulators of beauty, if you will, uh, kind of you know speak out and say maybe we can make make this place more beautiful and more intentional, much like you're trying to do with uh, the accessibility piece here. And I would say that we do. Uh, I serve on the board of Erie Downtown Partnership. I'm also on the board of Emerge 2040. Uh, so I, as Erie Arts and Culture, have a seat at the table with the individuals that are looking to influence the visual landscape, uh, the retail spaces, the experience downtown. Uh, so I would say that we are working to do that. I would say that the the fabric and economy of downtown when certain decisions were made yeah. is different than what the vision is moving forward. Um, so I think that every time we have a new storefront or a new opportunity open, we have to ask ourselves, does this create the downtown and Erie, Pennsylvania that we're all striving for, or does this kind of keep us situated in the past? Yeah. Um, and I, and I would say that I, you know, advocate pretty consistently about does this decision move us forward to the city that we say we want to be you want to weigh in i, I um definitely I, I mean i definitely see your point joel i mean i you know having grown up in erie and i've seen the transitions uh with downtown over the years and a lot of what we did downtown was not intentional it was not good city planning i mean we just got our first city planner yeah it's true you know, ever. Right. so that that tells you something right there. Mm -hmm. But I think that that is shifting now. I think that there is more vision. I think there is more realization that, you know, these projects are really important. The art community uh, does does have value in what they have to say and and can be a beacon to help steer us moving forward. Yeah. Uh, Every project that I've been involved in, every public art project has been more than just the final project. Every landowner or landlord has done something with their property. Uh, we've seen sidewalks replaced. We've seen wow. a park being put in place. We've seen uh, walls painted on buildings adjacent to our projects. Um, 
take a look. You're you're a a guy from Little Italy. I was yeah. just telling Patrick coming up here today. I drove through yesterday. Um, things look so much better than they yeah. than they did. 10 years ago. The neighborhood network has done a and great the, job. The yeah. Sisters of St. Joseph mm-hmm. have done a wonderful job yeah, there. Absolutely. And, and art has been a very big part of their plan. So um, we, I mean, and it's not just eerie. You see it happening. There's examples all over the country. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one thing that we saw with the presentation last week with Peter. Um, he brought in some examples. Look at cities like Detroit that, you know, were flat on their back mm-hmm. and the art sector really started to raise them back up. Yeah. Uh, so um, we're definitely at that table now. That's, that, that's tremendous. And I wanted to shout out maybe an ex- uh, another example of where we're seeing this is what Hannah Kirby did at Ember and Forge, where she's, she's finding the, um, the essence of what that original, that building was originally about and, Found the old sign, put the uh, uh, that it was like a candle uh, making uh, facility for the boats for the ships, and has the sign up there, and just you know brought brought more than just a coffee shop to uh, Fourth and State. She brought a beauty, and I will say that you will see every new business that invests in that area. I suspect will have an elevated sense of design because she has raised the bar. Mm-hmm. You cannot yeah. put something with no design next to something that is, as I'll say, mindfully created is what she's mindfully, done yeah. because you will stand out like a sore thumb. So I think <laughs> that I think that investments in like uh, her, I think even the tap house right next yeah, door sure. um, are both really great examples of, of being design oriented and actually thinking about what is the user experience when they when they step onto the sidewalk, when they walk into this space, knowing that your experience as a consumer starts curbside. Yeah. Right. It doesn't yeah. start when you when you buy your product. Uh, and I think that Hannah's investments are a great example. So to bring it back to New Horizons, do you see a scenario there where um, part of your charge is to elevate some of, you know, uh, it, I think about what our best West Bay friends doing and what the best is doing, where they're they're starting with a core cell. And, and, and I think it, I think uh, Anna Francis uh uh, concept is let's start with the parks. Let's start with Bayview. Let's start with Gridley and and emanate from there. Does art have? Uh, obviously, I would say yes. Art has a place to be a part of that renaissance in these neighborhoods. Absolutely. So we work very closely with Anna and Marcus and Jeremy and Heather, and we're we're looking to them for guidance. What are the investments you're making in the next two years and how can we assist you in leveraging that, right? There's no sense in us saying, okay, well, you're going to do this. We're going to do completely this that's over and left field. But that's what Erie's narrative was for all these years. So it's just like, I want to say, Praise God that this is actually, you know, that we're actually getting smarter and more mindful about all of these investments of this coordination of of lining up and not just staying in our silos. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they have a tremendous uh, amount of resources dedicated to improvements at Bayview Park. So what can we do to assist in that endeavor? And then how does that serve as a example of what can be done 
And how do you leverage that and scale it to other parks in the community? So one of the things that I'm doing as a personal citizen, I live in our West Bayfront, just bought a yeah, house there. Yeah, you're actually written up in the paper. How's your house working out? You love so it? So far, so good. Yeah, I love <laughs> it. Uh, but I'm I'm working with my fellow residents to do an awesome foundation. So with that, we do grant making uh, $1,000 at a time. So once a quarter, myself and nine other trustees who are residents of the community have all said we will each give $100 to a pot. And then we want the community to say, what's one project that you think would make the neighborhood Awesome. Awesome. So we, uh, as residents of the community, are funding projects by the community that will benefit the community, Mm -hmm. right? So if we can take this and we can scale it in other communities, uh, we we can see an exponential amount of change in Erie rather rapidly. Uh, but it has to be both grassroots, right, from the bottom yeah. up, and then there has to be intention from the top down as well, mm-hmm. right? How can we assist with policy making, uh, f- public funding, et cetera? Uh, but it's going to take both sides of the pendulum in order to do it successfully. And I'm, I'm hearing exactly that from uh, from the African American guests that are on this program, where they where they don't they don't they want to. Um, to build their communities up from the ground level with their dollars. They're not looking for a handout. They're wanting to reinvest in their communities and, and, and uh, claiming it for themselves. And so, I, you know, something like this, this model would be uh, uh, amazing. And, of course, we're seeing that with what Gary Horton's doing with uh, Urban Erie uh, um, uh, uh, program and so on. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a, I'm, I'm hearing that resonate. In a lot of different places where, you know what, um, uh, and it goes right back to what Charles Buki said in, in Erie Refocus, there's not going to be a big grand, grand savior coming to fix Erie. It's going to happen from this community, and, and we could even say it's going to happen in your neighborhood if you choose to make it happen. Pretty, pretty phenomenal stuff. We have our uh, Patrick Fisher. He is the uh, executive director of Erie Arts and Culture, Thomas Ferraro, Erie Arts and Culture Board and Public Artists. And uh, uh, <laughs> this is a lot, this, this conversation is a lot bigger than uh, public art because it, it's really uh, this concept of placemaking, of empowerment, of access. Um, th- you know, th- this is true humanity and, and, and kindness and, and uh, being smart about things uh, uh, is 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 this just like are we just con- Johnny come lately here in Erie? Is this or am I like I said? Am I just far behind on the on the bell curve here? So, <laughs> what I think is that if you ever read the story of the alchemist, right? Yeah. In that story, it's kind of the standard hero's journey. You're born somewhere. Uh, you think that everything that's good and the answers are somewhere else. So you go there, you get there and you find that it's not there. So eventually you find your way back and you found out that it was there where you started all along. The truth is, is it's about, are you ready to receive the information? Are you ready to receive the change? And I think that Erie's not necessarily behind the curve as far as the timeline is concerned, although we've seen things like this in other cities, I just think that Erie wasn't in a place to receive it quite yet like it is now. And I think that that's the the difference is we're ready to receive it because we realize we have to do something different if we want to stay relevant as a city. And that sounds exactly what John Persinger said when he was in your same chair saying, you know, uh, we are finally ready 
to uh, to strive for the community that we want to be. You know that that uh, we're we're ready to make the investments, the private money for for what the EDDC is doing, the Erie Downtown Development Corporation. I mean, you you would be hard pressed to find private investment like what they've seen uh, in what they they're getting started here. Um, let's talk about next events. Um, at gallery night tonight, always fun. Uh, sponsored by uh, multiple organizations. Uh, Erie uh, Art Museum is uh, one of the home bases there. Are you working on a, a new public uh, art project, Tom? Uh, actually, yes. Uh, several. Okay. <laughs> several. <Nice. laughs> several. Uh, we're, we're just uh, finishing a project with the Eastside Grassroots Coalition. So we've worked projects uh, with three community groups on that on that part of town and they're, uh, they're all mural projects, mm-hmm. and they will all be installed within the next couple of weeks. So that, that's one. And then we're also doing a project uh, with, the, with the sisters in Little Italy. We're doing a, uh, a mural on Larry's Market. Oh, good for and you. And that should be up uh, probably around the first week of June. That's fantastic. So we'll we'll hear about that, Patrick. Uh, what's next for New Horizons? Yeah, so we have a, a few uh, programs that will be taking place in uh, public spaces this summer. Um, so they'll start uh, probably starting next month. You'll see them. Uh, we also have, uh, in collaboration with a few other entities, some pretty large scale projects that you'll see popping up uh, in the next six months to a year. So if you're interested in public art, you're definitely going to see some uh, large scale projects popping up. Uh, within the next year. And of course, we could all be good neighbors and keep clean the palette that we're working with, you know, fix up our, our, our house around our houses and in our neighborhoods and involve ourselves in the neighborhood watches and the, and the support groups. Thank you so much, Patrick Fisher, executive director of Erie Arts and Culture, Tom Ferraro, a board member of Erie Arts and Culture and public artist 